Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, uh, Cottondale Baptist Church, and thank you, Chad and Meg, for allowing me to be a part of this uh, uh, great day in the Lord. It is the day that the Lord has made, and the Bible tells us to rejoice, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, Chad, I don't feel a stranger standing here because I've been able to stand here many times, and uh, uh, I envy you a little bit, brother. This is a good place to be. First of all, it's for the Lord, and then off. Secondly, these, church, these are folks at Cottonelle Baptist Church. They'll, they'll be good to you, and I know that you and Meg will be good to them, no doubt about it. And so I count it a privilege uh, to be a part of this uh, today, church, and uh, we're thankful for what God is, is doing here. And uh, something, uh, something good has happened, and something good is going to happen. And I see George back there, and I want to just tell you, George has been a prayer partner for you uh, for quite a while, and uh, we thank you, George, uh, for your commitment and your family uh, this with you today, Miss Brenda and others. So um, this morning uh, in this service, i got a scripture I want to share. And uh, it's not in your bulletin, and it's not going to be on the screen. But I felt that I needed to share this this morning in praying about uh, this day. Um, but in Isaiah, in chapter 43, uh, God's doing a work in Israel, uh, just like God's doing a work here uh, in Cottondale, Baptist Church, and also in Chad and Meg's life. In chapter 43 of Isaiah, about middle of that, about verse 14, it talks about the destruction of Babylon and what God is going to, is going to do. And God begins to lay out uh, some events that's going to take place, but about verse 18, God tells this uh, to Israel. He says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given water, waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. And I want you to just think about that and ponder that, church, because this is what God's doing. And you got a lot to be thankful for and to be very grateful for. Because God's doing a work in Chad and Meg's life, and he's also doing a work in the life of this church. And so we're going to look to God for great things of what God's going to do. This morning, I have a, uh, some of this is on the screen that you'll see. Um, it's kind of a responsive reading that I'm going to uh, share with, uh, with Chad in just a moment, and then I'm going to share also with you uh, the church. And it'll be on the screen for those, for you to, to answer the question or make the commitment this morning. But Chad... If you and Meg would stand right where you are. Now, I'm asking uh, Chad this question or this commitment, but Meg, you're a part of him, and you know that. Now, I don't have to tell you that this morning, and he knows that also. Uh, but you'll be that one to hold his arm and hold his hand when nobody else can. Uh, because there's going to be things in his life, not only as pastor and as a, a preacher of the gospel, that only you're going to know about. And you're there to hold him and help support him. And uh, so we're thankful for this couple and their family already, what God's done. <clears throat> but Chad, 
Having been called to be the pastor of this church, do you take this people to, your, to be your people, this field of labor to be your field, without reservation of mind or heart? Chad, do you promise to give yourself faithfully to the ministry, to the word, and to prayer, to be a good shepherd of this flock of God, to minister to the needs of all alike, to be the friend of all who will permit you, to seek the salvation of souls and the nurture of the saved, to put the services of Christ in his kingdom above all else, if wrong, to forgive as you expect to be forgiven, to seek always to keep yourself mentally alert and physically fit, as much as it in you lies, to be at peace with all people, and to lead this church in the ways of Christ as the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and strength. Amen. You may be seated for a moment, you may. Now this is to the church, members of Cottondale Baptist Church. And I'd ask you to listen very carefully as I read and as you see it on the board this morning. And then you'll answer uh, as follows in the screen this morning. So members of Cottondale Baptist Church. Will you please stand? <clears throat> Cottondale Baptist Church, <clears throat> do you promise to hear attentively to the preaching of the word, to participate reverently in the services of worship, to share with this pastor in the responsibilities of teaching and leading, to assume your pro proportionate part of the church's benevolent ministries, to receive him into your hearts and homes, to counsel with him about the welfare of the church and the winning of souls, to encourage him in his stand for right, to forgive him when he makes mistakes, and to follow his leadership as he follows Christ. Church, let us together reaffirm our high resolution and devotion to preaching the good tidings of salvation. We consecrate our gifts. To teaching Jesus' way of life. We consecrate our time. To leading children and youth to the knowledge of the love of Christ. We consecrate our talents. To, hear, to healing broken bodies and soothing troubled minds. We to caring for the helpless and providing relief for all those who look for us for help. We to evangelizing the community and extending the kingdom of God worldwide. We our wealth, our efforts, and our lives. Now let's all stand as we pray at this time. If everybody would join me together in prayer. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you've allowed us to be a part, Lord, of this special day in the life of Chad and Meg and their boys and their family. And Father, a special day in the life of Cottondale Baptist Church. All those, Lord, who are members here, all those who, Lord Jesus, may be visiting here this morning. And Father, for this community, Lord, where Cottondale Baptist Church, where they're house of meeting, and place of worship that each week that they assemble together where it stands. 
And Father, may it continue to be a light shining in this community. Lord, stronger than ever before. And I pray, God, that you will bless Chad and his family, his wife. And God, use Chad as the pastor and as the preacher here at Cottondale Baptist Church. And Lord, for these people who have committed, Lord, this morning, God, Lord Jesus, to Lord, to love him, to help him, to support him. And Father, not just him, but you. And God, to, be, to honor your word, Father. And Lord, to reach out into this community where Cottondale Baptist Church is. And Father, to reach the loss in this community. To reach the brokenhearted, Lord. Those who are hurting, those who are in need today. And Father, I pray you bless Chad as he leads them and guides them, Lord. And he teaches them your word, Father. And Lord God, that he helps them, Lord, to have the answer, Lord, to those in this world that need Jesus, Lord. Father, continue to bless him and use him. Continue to grow him, Lord, in the ministry. God, as he preaches, Lord, as he studies each week, God. Lord, just enlighten his heart and his mind. And Father, empower him with the power from on high. Lord, your Holy Spirit, which lives and guides us, Lord, in this life in which we live here on this earth. And Father, may your Holy Spirit be felt in the lives of the people who make up Cottonelle Baptist Church. And Lord, may it be in such a way that, Lord, those who live in this community will be drawn here. That something will be happening here that God people want to know. And Father, I pray that it's Jesus and him alone. And there's nothing else. And so, God, we give glory, honor, and praise to you this day. In Jesus we pray. And God's people said? Amen. 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 <coughs> Pastor Chad Hanley, preacher of Cottonelle Baptist Church. You come and preach God's word, brother. Amen, brother. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I feel the weight of the responsibility. If you have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to thank Brother Mark Grenade for uh, ministering and, and sharing that time and giving us that time to commit ourselves to one another. Um, it's a high privilege and a responsibility to be a pastor um, in many ways. It's a high responsibility because of the weight that the scripture puts on the task called to a holy life called to be an example in all things, called to faithfully handle the word. James says that teachers will be judged with greater strictness because we stand before this text and will be accountable to God for every word of it. And the devil's attacks are strong. It's almost every day you hear about another pastor falling. Please pray for your pastor. Please pray for the pastors of our churches here in this county and across the world. And it's also a great privilege to be a pastor. You get to see God work in people's lives up close and personal.
You get to see God at work in his body as we gather together week in and week out. And you get paid to study the Bible. <laughs> it's the best job and it's the best calling in the whole world. And so what I want to talk about today is a little bit about who pastors are, why God's given them, and who God desires us and calls us to be as a church. So if you have your Bible, and if you're able and willing, would you please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God as we read from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up in love. The word of God. You may be seated. This morning I want to talk about three things. God's gift to the church. God's goal for the church. And God's growth of the church. God's gift to the church. God's goal for the church. God's growth of the church. First, God's gift to the church. Paul says in 11 and 12, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. So what's Paul saying? If you look earlier in chapter 4, Paul is appealing to them to be a unified church. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then he says that, then he talks about gifts, and he says he gives, uh, uh, verse 7, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And then, and so then he talks about in verse 11, our text, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So the, the text there, and some translations bring it out, uh, in verse 11 is emphatic. The Greek reads, he himself God himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers as gifts to the church for the building up of the church in order that church may to attain what God desires them to be. And so what are these gifts? First, there's the apostle. It's easy to see how they're gifts to the church. They were those divinely chosen by Jesus Christ himself in the New Testament that term is oftentimes used as a technical term, apostle, for someone who with their own two eyes saw the risen Lord Jesus and was given a special commission by Christ himself to lay the foundations for the church upon which you and I build. 
So God, God, Jesus Christ, gave the church, the apostles, as a gift. He also gave the prophets. These are those who speak for God. In, in 1 Corinthians, those who speak for the edification of the church. He gave the evangelists, those who proclaim the good news that Christ is king and that he has conquered. And then it says he gave the shepherds and teachers. These are those we're most familiar with. The shepherds is another word for pastors. If you read the Bible carefully, I think you'll see that the office of pastor is referred to as elder or overseer or pastor. I think it's all the same office. And that this office was given by God to, to men uh, to set them apart, people to the ministry of word and to prayer, to teach. If you look at the qualifications of an elder or an overseer in 1 Timothy 3, every single one of them is a character quality, except for one, and that's to teach. So despite all the, all the leadership and, and mumbo-jumbo that the world spits at you today, the first thing that you've got to have as a pastor is a holy man. If he's not holy, it doesn't matter. And he needs to be able to teach. And, and, Paul, and Paul writes Timothy, who was functioning as an a, a elder pastor at Ephesus, and one of the big things that he plugged over and over to Timothy is he told him, guard the good deposit that we are entrusted with the pure good news of the gospel and it must be protected at all costs. And James talks about how elders are to pray for the sick. And so it's a high calling. And, 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 and God has given these men for a purpose. He says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, the, these men were not special. Even the apostles themselves. I mean, they had a high calling by God. But, you know, Paul had to rebuke Peter. They're men. They're sinners. But they have a, they have a special calling from God to, to equip the saints, to, to build up the body of Christ, to be, to be God's instrument. God gives different grace, it says, to each people. And he gives, he's given this, these particular men special grace to build up the body of Christ, to be, to make the church be what God wants it to be. That's all. The, you and I are no more than instruments in God's hands for him to wield as he sees fit. And, he, and he's given... These men to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is that no one, and pastors included, are, are do-it-alls. <laughs> when, when Moses was trying to lead the, the people of Israel in the wilderness, and there were millions of them, and he was, he was trying to deal with every problem, and Jethro, his father-in-law, said, you're going to kill yourself. He said, appoint men, let them judge men over thousands and, and hundreds and fifties and tens. Let them judge the people and, and bring the hard matters to you. And if you do this, he says, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people will also go about to their place in peace. In other words, the job of the pastor is to equip. What, what one man could care for a million people like Moses, but what one man could adequately care for 50 human souls? It's too much for a man. But 
when we're all equipped and as the pastor equips and as God pours out his grace and his spirit upon the church and each of us take up the grace and the calling that we've been given by God, we become the church that God desires us to be. We all have been given gifts for ministry. And it's my, it's my job and calling gift to help you find yours and to thrive in your gift of service. So my question to you, church, is, and to you as individuals is, what is your gift? Think about it for a minute. What has God given you to do? What has God equipped you to do? And I'm not just talking about human talents, but the Bible says when the Spirit of God came into your life, you were endowed with spiritual gifts. To serve and to, to love and to act in such a way that when he says when the body's working properly, it builds itself up in love. In Corinthians, it talks about how we're all different parts of the body. And when one part weeps, the rest of the part weeps. If there is one part of the body that's, if you've broken your toe, it makes your whole body hurt. And when one part of the body is not functioning correctly, all the rest feel it and suffer from it. So what has God given you to do? I always tell people, I feel like my calling is to preach. I think it's a gift from God. When I was in young, I was very shy, <laughs> really shy. And so it's rather ironic, I think, that I'm here. But it's a gift from God. It's not something you can muster up on your own. And I, and I tell people, Every, and everybody has something like this. You have something like this. When I preach, I feel like a fish in water. I feel like I was made. I'm doing what I was made to do. You have something that God made you to do. That God has given you to do. That God has equipped you to do. Find it and do it with all your might. For the sake of Christ and for his church. And he says, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the goal. We're building up. We're edification. The church is a building, and it is being built and growing. And, and if you look in the context carefully, it's clear that the, the type of building up that he's talking about is not... It's not quantitative, it's qualitative. That is that it's not my first responsibility to fill the pews, though I pray to God they'll be filled. But my first responsibility is to preach the word of God so that we become a holy people, a faithful people, so that the spirit of God will rest on this place. When God is at work, people will know about it and they will come. That we will be a more faithful church, a holy church, a courageous church, a light in this community. And so an implication here, what, what, what Paul's talking about is that no church is yet where it ought to be. But think about it. Think about the analogy of marriage. Paul, in Ephesians 5, he talks about marriage and how, the, and how it's a mystery, of, it's a relationship of Christ and the church and and. Uh, the husband is supposed to love the wife and w wash her with water with the word so that she becomes holy and without blemish. How, why? Because that's what, how Jesus has done for us. He loves us and gave himself for us so that we become holy. 
And so as we give ourselves to him, he will make us holy and he will change us. And so first, we see God's gift to the church. And number two, God's goal for the church. We see this in verses 13 through 15. Until we all attain to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So if we're building, then what are we being built up to? What's the goal? What's the purpose? God's goal for the church. It says, Paul says that we're, we're, to, we're to grow and we're to be equipped to, so that we may obtain, attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We're to be a unified church. There are few things that dishonor God like a divided church. Why? It's because that a, divide, a divided church tells a lie about Jesus Christ. It says that Christ is not great enough to hold us together in spite of our differences. It tells the world that he's not big enough, that he's not strong enough to hold us together. Jesus Christ prayed for our unity. The whole Bible rings about the unity that we experience in Christ. And that's what unites us. It says unity of faith and of the knowledge of who? Of the Son of God. It's Christ that unites us. Christ is the basis of our unity. As we grow in our faith and as we grow in our knowledge of God, we become one. As we as, we, as individuals and we as a church focus on Christ, we're... as as we all approach the same center, we're all getting closer together at the same time. And that's what he's calling us to. I mean, my goodness. You go out, let's say you travel outside of the state and you're visiting somewhere and you see someone with a UGA shirt on. And you go up to him and you say, my brother, <laughs> we're friends, we can get along. You don't know anything about that person. If college football can unite people, how much more Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who reigns over all. You go across the world and find someone who loves Jesus, you found a brother. Someone who shares, who shares not just a, a, an affinity for sports like you, but who shares an eternal destiny with you. You found a brother. We're to obtain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Why, Paul says, so that we would no longer be children. What does that mean? He says, carried about by every uh, wind of doctrine. That is that there are lots of false gospels in the world. There's lots of false teaching in the world. And a sign of the immaturity is that you're easily drawn away from the truth. It's easy to be drawn away from the truth. I was talking to a, a young Mormon man one time. And I asked him, I said, why are you a Mormon? 
And I thought he would give me like what I would expect to be a strong answer, something like, well, I believe it's true because of this, this, and this. That's not what he said. I said, why are you a Mormon? He says, well, in Mormonism, we'll be married forever. And I like the thought of that. In other words, his religion served his personal desire. It's easy to be drawn away from the truth when you want to believe the lie. And there's lots of false gospels out there. God will, God will make me rich. Well, no one obeyed God more than Jesus Christ, and he died penniless. Let me tell you, he's rich. He owns it all because no one's obeyed like him, sacrificed like him, gave like him on this earth. He'll, he owns it all. And one day everyone will see it. Sometimes we're carried away by wind of doctrine when we take a minor doctrinal point and make it the center of everything. And how do we avoid these things? We must be rooted in the word of God. The author of Hebrews rebuked the church. He said, he said, you, you should be teachers by now, but you're still on milk and you should be eating meat. We must not be carried away by every wind of doctrine, but guard ourselves against human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul, in the book of Acts, he told the elders at Ephesus, he said, ravenous wolves, he's talking to the elders the pastors of the church at Ephesus, he says, ravenous wolves will come out from among you. So we have to be aware, we have to test all, everything against the word of God and not be swayed by mere eloquence. We must have this healthy skepticism about things that demands biblical proof when it comes to the truths of Christ. And finally, Paul says that we are to grow up into Christ. The goal of all our growth is to be like Christ. We are his body. He is our head. As we draw, as we humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God, we will be drawn to him. We will be changed to be like him. That's where we're headed. That's our eternal destiny. This world is so fleeting. Don't you know that we are destined to be a people, remade, renewed, resurrection bodies whose hearts and minds are so pure that a sinful thought won't even enter your mind? That's your destiny. And we, and we toy around with sin. But no, God has given pastors and he's given you grace. So that as we spend ourselves and, and exercise our gifts for the sake of Christ, for the sake of our body, we grow up into our head, which is Christ. John says, when we see him, 
we will be like him. And whoever hopes thus purifies himself as he is pure. God loves the church. And he gives pastors and he gives you to call us to grow and faithfully represent him in this world. So we see God's gift of the church, God's goal for the church. Finally, God's growth of the church. Verse 16, talking about Christ, he says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So again, we all have a role to play in the edification and the building up of the church. We all have a role to play, and he emphasizes here, that when each part is working properly, will grow. But you know if you have one part of your body that's not working properly, it ruins everything else. But think of the potential. When each, think of the potential of a body of Christ where everyone is vibrantly connected to the head, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, exercising their gifts and service. There's no limit to what God could do can do. So how can you exercise your gifts to help build up this church in love? Maybe you have an affinity for children. Some people don't. But some people do. You don't know. I didn't know what ministry, how impactful ministry to children could be to our had children. I disciplined my son one time. I told him we were going to go back inside. And we start, we go into the house. And he stays on the porch. And I, was, I thought he was being rebellious against me again. I thought I was going to have to discipline him again because he wasn't coming inside. But I go back outside on the porch, and he's facing away from the porch, and I go up to him, and then I realize he's crying. And, 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 I, and, I, and I say, you know, what's wrong? And he just, he just says, he says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And he's like, I want Jesus to forgive me. It's not, it wasn't even four. You just, you don't know what impact you're making. When you invest, we, we got children in this church. Use your gifts. We got things on Wednesday night for kids, things in this community. You just don't know what God will do. You know, sometimes we can look at a situation and say, what, what, what's God going to do here? Well, you were that situation. I were that situation. I was that situation until God came in. Till someone shared with you. To someone minister to you. What about teaching? We have classes here. And something that I think is so important that I think oftentimes goes neglected is the Bible says older men teach older to younger men. Older women teach younger women. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, don't keep it to yourself. Go find somebody. Get breakfast with them. 
Get lunch with them. Spend time with them. Open the word of God together. Share life together. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. There's lots of needs. There's lots of sick and hurting people. The pastor's not the only one who can make visits. What about prayer? Maybe you're a prayer warrior. I thank God for prayer warriors. Somebody was praying for me today because I felt I feel it. I felt it. Pray. We got prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. And we pray. Sometimes we neglect the most important thing, but I'm telling you, God answers prayer. I pray that God will make us a praying church. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. This, the spiritual gift of, of cooking. Okay, and it is, I'm pretty sure it is a spiritual gift. <laughs> you know, they say, some people say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Let me tell you, I don't think it would be way off to say that a way to a man's soul is through his stomach. John said, the Apostle John said, don't, don't tell somebody be well and be blessed if they're not fed and clothed. Maybe some of you can cook. What if, you, what if you went and took a whole meal to somebody's house down the road, knocked on the door and said, in the name of Jesus Christ and from Cottonwood Baptist Church, we love you and here's some food. What do you think might happen? I don't know. God might show up. You have gifts. Let us exercise them in service to Christ and to his kingdom. And when we hold fast to our head and exercise our gifts, it says the body, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus said, I think it was in our daily Bible reading today, that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And you plant it and it grows. And sometimes you, you, you don't know how it grows. A farmer doesn't, we got an ag agent right here, but how do we know? You, you just put something in the ground, you put some water on it, you just pray to God that it gets bigger. God makes it grow. You don't make the cells replicate. God does that. But it grows and it grows and it grows. We sow the seed and we, we water, but God gives the growth. And as we hold fast and as we obey him and serve him and seek to him, he will grow. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what have we seen today? God's gift to the church, God's goal for the church, God's growth of the church. I just want to say that I'm greatly uh, honored uh, to be your pastor. And I'm grateful to be here. And I, th I thank you. I love you. Please pray for me. <laughs> Please pray for this church. In a minute, we're just going to, we're going to sing a, a song of decision. We've talked about the growth of the church today.
But I want you to listen to me. Maybe the most important thing I'm going to say today is that if you have yet to become part of the body of Christ and to actively participate in the growth of his church and in his kingdom, I pray that today will be the day for you. The reason why the church exists is because Jesus Christ died and he rose from the dead. And the Bible says he purchased the people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. We will worship him forever. It's what you were made for. It's what we were remade in Christ for. So won't you join our family today and be part of what God is doing? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that, Lord, the Apostle Paul said, who is sufficient for these things? None of us, Lord, can presume to do anything that will last forever unless you are in it. And so we take our eyes off ourselves and we look to you and say, take us in all our weaknesses and and helplessness. Take us, Lord, and do a work through us such that it can only be said that God was in their midst. I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name.